0: You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a wife, mother of three, and the creator of the blog Winging It on the Homestead, where I help modern mothers incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. My goal is to help you refocus your life towards what really matters, your family, as well as boost your confidence so you can start being more self-reliant and decrease your dependence on stores and commercial products. Join me as I share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. Hi guys, welcome back to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I'm here today with Jenny Veliki from the Funky Farm Girl podcast. And uh, we spent a little bit of time chatting a couple uh, days ago. And so I'm so excited to have her here on the podcast because she has a lot of insight on how to start living more simply, more self-sufficiently. And I want to share her story with you guys. So thanks so much for joining me, Jenny.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Can you, let's start off just by you telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Um, I am Jenny, otherwise known as the Funky Farm Girl, and um, I'm married for 26 years. Uh, We have three teenage girls at home and an older son that has flown the nest. We live in North Carolina on about three quarters of an acre, kind of out in the country. Um, And I love to garden and I love chickens and um, I have over time become a prepper and a food preservationist.
0: So I have a baby squealing in the background, but I can't that um, <laughs> so uh, did you always live uh, on your farm now or your you know where your property now where you live? Or you said you moved recently, right?
1: Yes. We actually lived in the city right on the outskirts of Charlotte for probably 14 years. And we moved out to our place here in the country, which is about 30 minutes north of Charlotte, about three years ago.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about your decision to um, take that move and to live a little bit more self-sufficiently?
1: Sure. So we started years ago with um, building a sustainable pantry uh, with my husband's job. The way his job goes, his income is really variable and it's based on the time of year. And so when we had lean months in the winter, we wouldn't have as much food um, because I didn't have as much budget. And then in the summer, he would just be overrun with work and we'd have a lot more leeway. So I learned early on in our marriage to stock up in the fat months so that in the leaner months we had more. And then in 2014, my husband had a stroke and that really changed a lot of things for us. But one of the main things that it changed was our diet and we stopped eating as many processed foods and things like that and moved towards more whole foods. And when we did that, the more we got into eating whole foods, then the more we cared about where those foods came from and how they were grown. And so then that got us more interested in growing them ourselves. And then once we grew them ourselves, then we wanted to can and preserve them. And we were eating more according to the seasons and things like that. So it just kind of snowballed from there.
0: That's really cool. So it wasn't just an overnight thing, obviously. It kind of took some time and and uh, continual learning, you'd say. Right. So
1: could you kind of give us a little bit of idea of how this has benefited your family? Well, one, it's, it's saving us money because we're, we're buying when things are at their lowest price and stocking up on that so that we have enough until the next time we know that it'll be on sale or the next time we can, we can find it at a lower price. So that's been a big benefit. Um, We also are eating healthier because we're, We're paying more attention to um, food's going to go on sale when it's seasonal. And so that's when we're buying more of that. And so staying in that seasonal cycle has really helped us to eat a lot more healthy. And it's really helped our girls, especially um, having three teenage girls at home and Worrying about all the things that social media is going to tell them about body image and eating and all those kinds of things. For them to be disconnected with the food that they're eating has really given them a healthy viewpoint on eating and eating for health and not worrying about diet culture and things like that because they've, they've known the food from the time we planted it until we harvest it and then can it and it's on their plate and so I feel like they have a much healthier relationship with food and just with um things in general the the labor that goes into um for example making bread or baked goods and things like that I feel like they have a greater appreciation for their food and so they don't have as much of a um an inappropriate or backwards kind of relationship with food that I think is typical of a lot of teenage girls right now.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, so I do like to follow you on Instagram. You have some really great content on there as far as building, uh, from scratch pantry and having all of the essentials and all those kinds of things that you need to cook from scratch. So could you tell us a little bit about that? And what are some of your must-haves in your pantry?
1: Well, I think the first must-have for us is definitely baking. Um, We definitely need to have things to bake with. That was, I believe, where we started way back in the beginning was um, stocking up on flour and sugar and brown sugar and powdered sugar and chocolate chips and things like that. I love to be able to just pull that out and bake with my girls um, at any time. Um, we've used baking for all kinds of things. We've fundraised mission trips for it. Um, we've raised money for them to go to camp and things like that. Um, so baking is a really big part of um, our family culture. And so definitely starting with those types of things, and then um, in the early years, we were even stocking up on starches, things like instant potato flakes or, or the shredded dehydrated hash browns, um, rice, um, pasta, those types of things. Those are cheap and they're filling, especially when you're raising kids and, you know, they don't have to be the major ingredient. They can just be a minor side dish, but being able to add that in. um, and stock that really, really cheaply. Um, I love my spices. I have a ton of spices and um, buying them in bulk is actually much, much cheaper than buying the little bitty bottles. And so that's something that I just can't do without. And then I would say proteins. I think a lot of people forget about proteins, um, but we keep a good stock of canned chicken and tuna and salmon and those types of things we keep a lot of peanut butter in the house because uh, I want to make sure that as the girls are growing and even just for my husband and I that we have good shelf stable protein available um, on a regular basis because one if you're in a power down situation or things like that you're going to need easy protein that's that's readily available and doesn't need to be cooked but two, um, it saves me a lot when we're, say, in gardening season and it's really busy and I forgot to set meat out that night. I can grab that protein out of my pantry and make a dinner pretty quickly with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so you build a, a from scratch pantry. What are some other ways that uh, you keep your food source local? Uh,
1: One of the big things we do is that my husband started hunting. Um, And so he goes about 40 minutes away from where we live to some land um, that belongs to my sister in law's family. And he's able to bring the girls and they go hunt with him. And so they're able to get deer, and that venison meat lasts us for most of the year. We ration it out pretty well so that we essentially are not buying red meat from the store, except to maybe make hamburgers because the venison is so lean, it falls apart when you try to do that. So that's one big way. And the other way that we do that is with um, a local produce store that we have here that's year round. And so I can go there and buy all of our vegetables. Um, I buy dairy products there. They have cheese, they have milk, they have pork products. Um, we have our own eggs. Um, and so we do a lot of that. And then the other way I, I keep stock, not necessarily locally, but one of the most important things with, with building up our pantry is markdowns. So I look for bargain bins and stuff marked down, um, especially in the produce department and in the meat department. And I buy those things when they're bruised or overripe or the day they have to be sold. And then I bring them home and I get them preserved um, as quickly as I can. And that has done a lot to build up both my freezer stock and my canned goods that I have on hand.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned you have your, you have chickens. Um, How many chickens do you have?
1: We have, I think at last count, we have 27. Wow. So
0: that's great. Um, when we chatted the other day, you also mentioned that you had quails.
1: Yes, we love our quail. Um, we got into quail, first of all, because, um, we wanted to add another meat source. Um, and so that's something that I'm, I'm looking into for this coming year, but it's a great alternative that I think a lot of people maybe haven't thought about in terms of being an alternative to chickens, especially if you're in a HOA Or I even today on Instagram saw where somebody had a little quail hutch on their balcony in their apartment. So it's, it's a really great alternative when you don't have the space or you have the HOA restrictions with chickens, they're small, they're quiet. Um, The males do crow, but it sounds more like a chirp of a wild bird out in your yard. It's Mm -hmm. not an annoying or loud sound at all. Um, they're messier, so they require a little bit more cleaning up after. But they also require a whole lot less space and a whole lot less feed. And as long as you keep that male to female ratio the way it needs to be, they're they're pretty um easy to maintain. And then the thing we love about them is that they're they go from birth to maturity in six to eight weeks. So in six to eight weeks, you've got eggs coming from them. Um, they're at an age that you could butcher them if you'd like to, or you can take their eggs and incubate them. And 21 days later, you're starting over.
0: Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, I never thought about having quails. Now, do you keep your quails with your chickens or do you separate them?
1: They are in their own little hutch. They like to be kind of close, in, closed in and cuddled together. And so they they have a smaller, shorter space that they stay in. We actually have a three-tiered hutch right now, but we only have quail on the first tier. So we're hoping to expand that this year and add more quail and be able to start filling our freezer with some.
0: That's really cool. I, I I'll have to look into that because uh, I like our chickens, but I can only have so many. Not just because honestly I'll be drowning in eggs, which I guess is a good problem to have. I don't really have this space at the moment to add more chickens. So Quails um, might be the solution. So, thank you for sharing that. So, what uh, are some of your self-sufficiency goals for the year? Is there anything new you're hoping to learn or to work on?
1: Well, like I mentioned, I really want to learn how to um, process the quail for meat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done two of them with my husband's help, um, but they're fairly simple to learn to do. So, I'd like to get eggs incubated this year and and just keep that cycle going. Throughout the summer and the fall, to um, put as many quail in the freezer as I can. And I'm also really focusing on in my garden space having fewer varieties and greater production. So Mm -hmm. instead of growing 10 different types of tomatoes like I did last year, I want to pick a really good slicer tomato, a really good canning tomato, and my favorite cherry tomato, and that be it, but grow like gobs more of them. Wow. Um, and specifically, I want to do that with green beans, because if you go on my Instagram page in my highlights under recipes, um, I have my famous Funky Farm Girl green beans. And when I make that, it calls for six cans of green beans. Wow. And it's highly requested. I make it several times a year. And I thought this year, I don't even grow green beans. Why? Why do I not grow green beans when I'm famous for these green bean recipes. So this year I'm really going to focus on growing um, quite a bit of green beans and being able to can those. It's
0: exciting. It's hard to do, uh, to choose one or only three types of tomatoes. I know that you tend to want to plant everything, but that's really good. Is there anything, what other stuff are you growing this year?
1: Um, I always do cucumbers. I am the pickle queen in my family. And so I have several different kinds of pickles that I make. And so my family's really excited about new pickles this Mm -hmm. year. Um, I always grow okra. Um, I'm going to try squash again this year. Squash and watermelon, I have not been able to succeed at here on this property yet. So I'll try that again. Um, I'm also famous for failing at carrots. (laughs) So I keep trying those, Um, but we're growing a variety of lettuces right now and carrots and radishes. And um, I've got some good cold weather crops growing that I have not had time to do in the past. So I'm excited to see, you know, how many beets and turnips and collard greens and things like that that I end up with. Um, And then I want to try pumpkins again. Um, in three years, I've grown one and <laughs> I was so proud of that pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was our first fall here. And it was really the first thing that I grew from seed and took it all the way through to harvesting it and using it in a recipe and composting the rest of it to the chickens and saving the seed and planting those seeds the next year. And so, um, yeah, I really want to repeat that process again. That's cool.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, So, like I said before, uh, people definitely need to check out your um, podcast, the Funky Farm Girl podcast, and to follow you on Instagram because you put a lot of um helpful content on there. Uh, Is there? Would you say that's where the your audience can find you?
1: Yes, I am at the Funky Farm Girl on Instagram, and the Funky Farm Girl podcast is on all the typical podcast platforms. Um, You can also find it on YouTube. Um, it just gives you the flat logo, um, and you can just listen to it in the background. Very nice. Okay. Well, it was really great to have you.
0: Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the simple living made simple podcast. If you have not already signed up to grab my free ebook, you can go to www.yourdreamgardenguide.com. This garden guide has everything you need to get started growing your own vegetable garden this year. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have topic suggestions for the podcast, please email me at info at wingingitonthehomestead.com.